1: Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell.
0: Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to discuss why direct mail is the best kept secret in marketing and time to say goodbye to Facebook's wall garden and building a next generation digital marketing strategy. Joining us today is Dave Fink who is the CEO and co-founder of Posty, which is a marketing technology company that has transformed direct mail by enabling it to perform like a digital channel. In doing so, Posty has unleashed the medium's potential and unlocked growth for its advertisers, delivering an average campaign ROAS of 1,382%. And today, Dave and I are gonna talk about quantitizing your mailbox. Okay, here's my conversation with Dave Fink, the CEO and co-founder at Posty. Dave, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this one. Well, I
0: got to tell you, longtime marketer here, and I, I feel like direct mail is making a comeback, Dave. Why is that happening?
1: Oh, okay. there are a number of reasons, and you're you're definitely right about that. So, look for those listening to the show who are kind of knee deep or neck deep in customer acquisition and retention and revenue generation. Yeah, you know, they're probably not dissimilar to me, and and for. The better part of a decade, you know, we spent the vast majority of our time enamored with the, the powers that were Google and Facebook. And they're pretty awe-inspiring, the, the investment they've been able to make, the innovation in technology and user interfaces that make us all look really smart probably way smarter than we deserve by allowing us to tap into big data science platforms and predictive modeling and measurement, all these things that that have, um, you know, given marketers the tools to make more informed decisions, better, you know, at budget allocation and grow businesses, you know, significantly, exponentially faster than ever before, you know, became a double-edged sword, quite frankly. And all those things that we talked about, the capabilities, the opportunity to spin up campaigns really quickly, to you know, lean in and spend heavily and make big investments when things are working, led you know, the entire marketing world to you know, jump onto those platforms. And there were kind of two things that it did. One is it, it gave you know, two brand names, Google and Facebook, you know, way too much power in you know, the business you know, ecosystem. And it also you know, gave these marketplaces you know, lots of profits at the detriment of you know, profitability to the marketer. And so what we found, and, and I think you know, probably all of your listeners have found, is that you know, dating back probably about six, seven years ago, you know, those marketplaces became really expensive kind of the game of trying to, you know, win through scale was not working because the more you spend on those platforms, the lower quality customers you're acquiring, the lower lifetime value you're acquiring. And so we started feeling that pain and we looked around and said, Hey, something's got to give, we have to find other legs to the stool here, you know, migrate back to a more balanced, you know, media budget approach to, to growth and, and, you know, CRM and as we looked around for channels that could be big and scalable and worthy of our time and, and had all those kind of quantitative properties that, that, you know, social and search have, you know, that led us to offline and offline direct mail is, is the channel that can be run just as quantitatively. So I think we're not the only ones that discovered that we just got a little bit frustrated with, you know, kind of the, the tools and capabilities that did, that are offered in digital channels, and we saw this gap between those tools and the scale and potential that DirectMail provided. And, and so for us, you know, the game became, you know, instead of just being consumers of the media, it was, hey, let's be builders of, of technology to make the channel kind of, you know, behave more like a, a, a channel, you know, relevant in 2022.
0: Yeah, I think we have to acknowledge some changes that have occurred in the last three years. And, and one of them is that a lot of the folks we're trying to reach are spending a lot more time at home. And there was certainly a time period where people were spending tremendous times at home. And how much of the, you've seen that kind of impact the viability, if you will, of offline marketing in terms of the audience just being more available to that type of outreach?
1: Well, I think there was a shift right now. We're we're kind of on the other end of you know, COVID lockdown. And so, you know, many people are going back into the office, certainly out and about in the world. If you rewind a year and a half, you know, two years ago, I think, you know, it, it, you can kind of get a, a you know, a a reminder of a perspective of, of what was available. And certainly like digital was, was available, right. We had our laptops and arguably we're spending more time on them and our, you know, mobile devices and whatnot. There are certain channels that just didn't work right. Like out of home, right. Doesn't work when nobody's out of home. So, you know, the, the billboard and, you know, buses and train station over overlays, like, like those were tough channels. Right. I don't, think it's it's necessarily a, a, a fair even true statement to say that direct mail started performing better because it was always a very performing channel. You know, consumers were still spending lots of time at home. It was just nights and weekends. Their mailbox was, you know, certainly just as connected to their their home as it as it was before. I think what ended up happening is that some of those budgets that needed to be reallocated. And quite frankly, you know, even though we had this crazy pandemic, like consumer spending only, you know, increased, making it possible for you know, all these emerging brands and traditional brands to spend more and more and more in digital, making, you know, Facebook and Google even that more, you know, that much more expensive. And so it you know, forced us to, as marketers, again, just spend more time, I think, evaluating other channels. And that led markers that maybe, you know, in the past didn't have the patience or appetite to move beyond, you know, the walled gardens of, of Google and Facebook. And so all of a sudden they're starting to look around and, and they're having the same realizations that, that, that we had a while back. You know, with that being said, it still, you know, was a challenging channel to execute campaigns on and, you know, had, was fairly analog in, in its execution. And I think that's that's the big opportunity for marketers, which is, okay, great. You have this, you know, this channel that reaches 20% more audience than Facebook and or Google, right? Because everybody with an address is, is reachable. You know, there's tremendous amounts of quality data, compliance data that can be used for prediction and segmentation, very similar capabilities that are offered on your favorite social and, and programmatic platforms. And if you have direct measurement, you know, understanding who, you know, the audiences are and, and who's, you know, who becomes converter or revenue generating individual with your brand, how they behave and interact with your brand. That, that looks the same to me as, as, you know, buying Instagram ads or you know, GDN or Trade Desk ads or Criteo, or whatever your platform of choice is. So the migration and awareness and excitement around direct mail is, is, is a hopeful thing. It's not necessarily that anything changed in the way that consumers were behaving. It was more that advertisers changed the way that they thought.
0: So Dave... What's really interesting, I think what I'd love to have the kind of marketers and revenue leaders understand is how do we make that bridge? Because I think we all understand what you're saying about the walled Gardens. And I think we all understand that there's this level of data and detail, understanding and knowledge that marketers get from digital. But those channels are exhausted. Our CPAs are going up over time, right? How do we make that bridge to something that feels more analog, which you mentioned before? In other words, how do we get some of the best of the digital world at the same time having that ability to get in front of those eyeballs that, frankly, are more of an audience now and probably more likely to be responsive to direct mail than they have in the past?
1: It's a great question, and I'll answer with two different components. So, so component one is just kind of understanding the key about the things that behind your brand, product, and service, or brand, product, or service in some cases. and Understanding your your customer base and who your potential customer base is, right? So I think the big agency holding companies are referring to that as an addressable strategy. And I think if you understand those two things, right? You, it's not about like the tricks and tactics that you're trying to deploy, but it's you know, hey, you started this business for a reason. You think there was you know an opportunity or pain point that you were solving. You built a great product and service, and you figured out how to how to tell that story. That shouldn't change for a different channel the specific imagery or copy or content certainly can change, you know, as you think about, you know, what, the prospect viewer is doing at that specific moment. TV ad can be a little bit different than a CTV ad or, or a YouTube pre-roll or interstitial, but the message should be authentic. Then the other piece, as we talked about, or, or you know, mentioned is, is the addressability. It's understanding who are the potential customers. We live in a world where data is so readily accessible. And if you do the, the work and you really understand not just who your customer is, but the different types of customers, the different you know, segments, the different pain points, that they're you know, engaging with your brand to, to try and solve, then all of a sudden it, it becomes a mission of thinking about how do you speak to those people and give them that authentic message that reinforces your, your, your brand and benefit statements in any number of channels. So that's, you know, I think at its, its rude if you if you go through that exercise, then any channel is unlockable, any channel is possible to you know, achieve results in. With direct mail, you know, then it comes down to the execution and, and you have, you know, you have three kind of core ways to potentially execute. Traditionally, there's been two. Those two have been, you hire a bunch of people to handle kind of all the moving pieces in a very analog execution, right? You have your procurement team that's negotiating, you know, for paper and printing space on printing presses. And you, you know, learn your way through postage and the U.S. Postal Service, logistics, footprint, you you know figure out where you can you know source data from to build audience segments and you hire a bunch of data analysts or you know, um, you know data scientists to to kind of build those models. You think about you know how you set up your Excel sheets to handle your deployment and then your your measurement. Like direct is a fifty billion dollar you know industry and and tens of billions of dollars is is being. Deployed that way, you know. The second, you know, kind of traditional and still very, you know, substantial way to execute it is you just you hire an agency that has some expertise, and you outsource it. It's usually a bit black box. You brief them in on your, you know, goals, and they go off and execute. And at some point, you know, you get some reports back on, you know, how they think that you know the campaign's going. And now, you know, over the last handful of years, there's this, you know, emerging layer of technology. And that's the third way. And that, that's the way that, you know, that our minds work, right? We're used to being able to Move very dynamically, very fast, very organized. We're able, you know, to activate really complex testing schemas because of the organization. The campaign management tools are there. We're able to leverage much more complicated predictive mathematics in a machine learning world. We're able to use, you know, uh, way deeper, more predictive data. We're able to measure in real time and make quicker decisions. You know, that's that's the Posty way. And you know, our vision for this channel is that. The only thing keeping, you know, it from behaving the way that a digital channel is, is kind of the the fact that it had been lacking a software layer. And if you look back, you know, throughout the decades, right, like it was only, you know, 18, 20 years ago that you know, display advertising was run the same way. You know, you'd have your spreadsheet of publications that you generally think that your demographics you know, are engaging with, you pick up the phone and you'd engage with the salesperson, you'd negotiate above the fold or below the fold. Or if you buy this, you know, homepage 300 by 250 banner, they'll throw in the leaderboard, you know, and this category page. That, that's how it displays them. And then all of a sudden, you know, double click and Atlas came into the space. And, you know, and then, you know, fast forward, you know, another 10 years later and you have, the DV360 and Trade Desk and, you know, Xander. And, and you can do some really amazing things. Well, that's, you know, when I look at direct mail, it's a $50 billion space. It's highly, you know, effective when executed well, it just, you know, it's ready for a bit of a overhaul in how it's executed. And so, you know, each marketer has a choice on how they want to, you know, proceed. Dave, if I'm a marketer
0: and I feel like potentially I have a gap in my buyer's journey and I feel like I can address it with direct mail, How do I make that first step? Like, what would you recommend? I've I've identified the gap. What's the first step for determining how I get to that first kind of effort on a direct mail channel?
1: I love that because the subtlety of what you just said is a truth that I don't even think my co-founder and I were really deeply aware of until we started kind of peeling back the layers here. But direct mail is one of those rare channels that can be really valuable throughout the entire marketing journey, the entire funnel, right? So it can be used. It's an incredibly effective tool on the prospecting front, virtually, yes, you know, limitless in scale. It you know, historically has been a very high yielding CRM channel, whether it's driving you know, repeat purchase or increasing average order value or tightening up the interval between purchases. And now in more modern times using Connectors with you know, your your first party behavioral data like website visitors. It can be mid funnel, so it can be a lead conversion tool. It can be a retargeting tool. It can be a post transactional, you know, thank you or K factor tool. You know, all those things are possible. So you know, stepping into your your question, you know, the assumption is that you know, you've decided you know there's a specific gap and and you're looking to explore direct mail for that that purpose. Really, the three things that you need to to think through are. One, what data do you have access to or could you, you know, source in order to help you, you know, drive performance? So that's question one. A lot of that liquid gold is within your your own first-party data, certainly for any of the mid-funnel or, or, you know, deep, you know, CRM funnel campaign types. You know, step two is thinking about what is the the kind of, to me, it's it's the simplest ad formats that you can use that give you a canvas to be able to d- run through your A-B testing on creative, offer, messaging, look and feel, et cetera. And the third piece becomes, how are you going to measure it, right? Because this is a quanti- you know, quantitative channel when done right. And you know, each brand has slight variations on, on what their options are depending on the data they're collecting, whether they're D2C or they're omnichannel retail or a service provider, et cetera. So those are the three things that you need to kind of map out. And you can do that through kind of an analytical introspective study with your marketing team. You could certainly hire someone who has direct mail experience. I would typically look for the folks that have recent direct mail experience, not getting back into the game after so many years, because they they most likely are kind of bringing the blend of modern tactics and and traditional wins. You can go to like we talked about, you know, hire an, an agency that specializes in direct mail, or a consultant that specializes in direct mail, or you can look for a platform, you know, like Posty who can you know give you the tools and the service layer to to it's kind of like a front of the line pass at you know, Walt Disney World, just allows you to get there quicker, with more efficient, get more rides, have more fun, better ROI in your time. Obviously, it's biased yeah opinion, but I think we've seen that that path work in just about every you know emerging media channel that we've touched over the last two decades. So why wouldn't that work in direct mail too?
0: and for the b two b revenue leaders out there listening in today, folks, if you are using a gifting service, Alice is one of my favorites. There's a bunch out there by the way. You're already in the direct mail business, folks, so you know if you can find a way to move up the funnel. A good example of how to do this is really listening through this podcast and understanding that it can address more of the buyer's journey than it currently is. I think a lot of gifting services are really good at the bottom of the funnel and kind of encouraging some of this middle of funnel acceleration. Dave, I really enjoyed the conversation today. I think we're going to come back tomorrow and talk a little bit about walled
1: gardens. Sounds great. Look forward
0: to it. All right, fantastic. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator podcast. Thanks to Dave Fink, the CEO and co-founder at Posty, for joining us today in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Dave and I are going to dig in and talk about breaking out of Facebook's walled garden. If you can't wait until our next episode, would like to learn more about Dave, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at postie.com. That's P-O-S-T-I-E.com. Just one more link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, shame on you. Head over to RevGenPod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.